Why, hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hey Go, Have a Good One. I am Samuel, and today we are going to be looking at the very last Panic at the Disco album. We have finally made it, ladies and gentlemen. The last one. At least the last one so far, because I don't really feel as though they're planning on stopping anytime soon. So, uh, let us go to their sixth and most recent album so far. Pray for the Wicked. Uh, now, Pray for the Wicked was, uh, initially, it was released in the year of 2018. So... Relatively recent, like, three, yeah, three years ago at this point. And I think from memory, actually, um, Panic seems to have typically released an album every, like, three or so years. Like, so, let's see, Pretty Odd came out three years after A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. Uh, Vices and Virtues was three years later. Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die was two years later. Death of a Bachelor was three years later. Pray for the Wicked was two years later. Okay, yeah, so it's pretty much always either two or three years, but typically three years. So we're actually due a new album pretty soon, I would imagine. So I guess we'll see when that happens. But, uh... Until that happens, this is the most recent album, Pray for the Wicked. Now, at this point in time, Panic has now become... It's quite comfortably become Brendan's solo project. Ever since, uh... Well, ever since Death of a Bachelor was kind of the first album that had just Brendan as the original band member. This one's definitely kind of getting more into that whole deal. People have now jokingly started calling the band Brendan at the disco. So, yeah. It's definitely become part of his identity, and now, if you look up Panic at the Disco on Wikipedia, it now says that it is a solo project. It is no longer a band, So anyway, now there's a little bit of little bit of backstory behind this. So on April 2017, it was announced that Brendan would be making his Broadway debut as a lead in Kinky Boots. He actually started writing for the album during this period, writing the chorus of High Hopes a month before his Kinky Boots debut. By the way, if you've never heard of Kinky Boots or watched it, um, I'd recommend it. It's good. Um, it's a good story. Anyway, uh, because of what Brendan was doing at the time, this album has a lot of musical theatre influence. I feel as though you'd probably be able to pick that up quite a bit. There's a lot of musical theatre additions in this, which I'll get into later on. Eventually, anyway. So, Pray for the Wicked uh, actually has... 11 tracks in it. Yes, 11 tracks. Um, 
I'll need to actually double check, like, how that works out in comparison to the other uh, albums. But there are no bonus tracks for this one either, so... Yeah, this is going to be a nice, simple, nice, straightforward look into it. So, we're going to look at the first Panic... The first song of uh, Pray for the Wicked, Silver Lining, or the full or the full word, or the full title, I should say, uh, is uh, in brackets, fucker, and then outside of brackets, silver lining. I feel as though that's probably there so that... Um, so that you can... What's the word? So that uh, anybody who's like, oh, this is not... Uh, this is not, um, this is not kid-friendly, this is not age-appropriate stuff. Oh me, oh my, what shall happen? Oh, but it's okay. The swear word is in some brackets, so if you really wanted to, you could just get rid of those brackets and just say that the lyrics of the song is silver lining. So, first things first here, language, young man! This is a good Christian household, and I will not be hearing that kind of language in here, bitch! Anyway, so, it sounds, uh, it's a nice chill sound at first, uh, it very much sounds like, uh, I don't know, like a vintage record, or a vintage radio type of sound to it. Uh, we get a rather strange, deep voice that's, uh, basically saying, like, enjoy the show. Or, like, prepare your ears, stuff like that. Um, not exactly, but, you know, it's like, it's that type of vibe, you know? Uh, then, we get some very explosive trumpets to start off. So, this song actually starts off with the chorus, which, uh, I mean, it's not the least common thing in the world to do, but, uh, it still happens like, rarely enough for it to be kind of unusual. Um, but yeah, very explosive trumpets to start off. Uh, the vocals are also really strong, and they go quite high. Uh, the verses kind of pull back on the instrumental, but the vocals stay the same, and even though it pulls back, the punchiness of the instrumental does still remain. Uh, the chorus is quite boppy. The- we get some weird vocal effects before the verses. Uh, the vocals are strong and high, but it does sound a lot more effortless than in the previous albums. I know that in some of the other albums, I have kind of stated that sometimes when Brendan goes high, it does sound kind of strained. But here it doesn't at all, actually. It sounds like it's very easy for him to do. And if I know one thing about singing and vocal training in that is that, um... If it sounds easy, then that's a good sign. Because it means that you're probably not placing too much effort in your, um... Well, I guess, like, forcing the notes. And that's particularly a problem when trying to hit high notes, but if you're trying to hit low notes, it can be just as bad. Anyway, uh, I really like the bridge. It sounds very nice. It's a nice, uh, it's a nice, I guess, detour from the usual pacing of the song. It's nice. Then we get a 
During the final chorus, we get a sensor bleep. Now, this is an odd choice, considering that um, he had no problem swearing in the chorus before this point. Like, there's a bit, like, every bit it's like he's like, um, he'll swear, and he'll, he'll say the full word, uh, uncensored, but it's just that, just before the last chorus, uh, where the word gets censored, which is weird, it is, because it's like, you would expect it to either, like, you'd expect him to either censor all of the swear words, or none of them, but no, it's like, he only censors one, and then leaves the rest. And it's all the same word, keep in mind. So yeah, it's very weird. The backup vocals go very high, and it sounds very cool. Definitely adds to it. So, what is Silver Lining about? Well, it is about wanting to excel at everything, and wanting to get the best out of every possible situation. The song centers around the common phrase, every cloud has a silver lining, and cherry on top. Both of those phrases get brought up quite a bit. Brendan flips these idioms on their heads. Endless cherries and a silver lining just aren't that enticing to him. Uh, another way of looking at it is the statement of, nothing's ever good enough. Don't let anything be good enough. I want to be better. We can make it better. It is pretty much extremely perfectionistic. It's all about perfectionism because they're like, oh, look on the bright side of life. <whistles> but this guy is like, no, I don't want to just look on the bright side of life. I want to actually be better. I want to make things better. So yeah, very perfectionistic, which let me tell you, um, perfectionism, not really all it's cracked up to be. Anyway, so I give Silver Lining, or fuck a Silver Lining, I give it an 8 out of 10. The song is absolutely a bop. It's very catchy, and the message is definitely something to think about. I like how the bridge changes up the pace and the vibe of the song, but that's kind of the only point that really changes much. It very much stays the same the whole time. However, that same thing is still quite the bop. So, 8 out of 10. Moving on, we've got Say Amen, and then in brackets, Saturday Night. I'm guessing the Saturday Night being in brackets is probably because, uh, because of the, the much more popular, um, Elton John song, Saturday Night, is a good night for fighting. Wait, hold on. What's the actual full name of that song? Um, hold on. Oh, okay, so the full title of that song is actually Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting. Oops. I apologize, uh, Elton John fans. <laughs> oh dear. Um, but I do know that whenever somebody brings up Saturday Night, that, the Elton John song's the one that always gets brought up. So yeah, anyway, say amen. So, this is a continuation of the saga that's been going on in the past few albums. This song is actually the prequel to This Is Gospel, 
or I, at least the music video is the prequel to this is gospel. We find out uh we find out a lot more about the panic at the disco lore. And apparently Brendan had this thing called the Devil's Key that heaps of people were trying to get. So these guys uh break into his house while he's getting ready for a date. And Brendan has to fight them all off in a brutal Kinsman style action sequence. And it's like uh, like, there's even this bit, <laughs> I just remembered, <laughs> I just remembered this bit, where it's like, he's like, finding this, like, this guy's like, running at him with a knife, and so Brendan just grabs all of this, uh, cutlery, chucks it in a microwave, and then just sets it for like, 10 seconds or something like that, and then he just walks out the room, the microwave explodes behind him in slow motion. Oh, it's ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> if you haven't watched the music video, do it. That's oh, great. Anyway, the whole the whole action sequence in that leads to him making out with a girl uh, that was his date. But, um, and things start getting hot and heavy, but then once she realizes that he has the devil key, uh, she beats the crap out of him and kills him to take the key, uh, which then leaves us off with where this is gospel starts off. So, <laughs> Brendan, you're probably not listening to this, but if you are, um, <laughs> you better, you better continue on this saga in the next album. I'm expecting it. I'm expecting a sequel to Emperor's New Clothes. So, so far, the timeline of the Panic Law has gone, uh, Say Amen, uh, This Is Gospel, and Emperor's New Clothes. So, there, there better be a sequel for, like, where that Demon Lord is, has ended up now. I'm expecting it, Brendan. I expect it on my, in my office, on my desk at, uh, 8.20, um, November this year. Um... Anyway, so I should probably actually talk about the song now. So, um... So, the first thing that we get is this, like, weird voice effect of somebody saying cold open. I don't know about that. I don't think this would count as a cold open somehow. Then, once the beat comes in, we get these chipmunks repeating Say Amen. And, by the way, it is a nice beat. And by the way, it's not actually chipmunks, it just sounds like it. I'm sure you knew that already. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, the singing is, uh, really nice. It's very nice singing, very nice sound, very good singing on, uh, Brendan's behalf. And it's also a very cool build-up. Uh, I think it was mostly the instrumental that was building up, but, like, it was a very subtle build-up. It wasn't actually too noticeable. Anyway, then we get a big anthem chant uh, at the bit that's like, It's Saturday night! That's not actually what it sounds like, but you know what I mean. Nice, full-on anthem, it's Saturday night. And then we get into the chorus. And that chorus, my gosh, that chorus is such a banner! Oh! Mmm, mmm! Mm. Ah. Ah. Yeah. All I can really say is that the chorus is such a banner. Like, 
Oh, it's sick. It's sick. It's like, it is that perfect level of explosiveness with, um, with the vocals and the instrumental combining in order to make perfect explosion with that. Ah, oh, ah, ah, it's good. It's been a while since I, like, it's been a while since I've listened to the, uh, song. Uh, and I was listening to it while I was writing up the notes for this episode. And, oh, I forgot just how good that chorus is. Like, I was headbanging to it. Ah. Anyway. Uh, the interlude after the chorus is cool. I like the instrumental a lot. It's very unusual, but... It's just very good. It's like, it's still... It's unusual, but it's still very rhythmic, and it's got a lot of really good elements to that, just that very short interlude, which, by the way, only comes up after the first chorus, so, yeah. Um, also, during the... during verse 2, um, there's no falsetto. So, what I mean by that is basically... Um, during verse 1, Brendan is singing in, like, his chest head mixed voice, um, not falsetto, basically. Uh, and then the second half of that verse, he then goes into falsetto. Um, however, during the second verse, when it gets to that same point in the verse, instead of going into falsetto, he goes into his full voice instead. But he still, like, goes up. It's just in his full voice rather than falsetto. It's a nice... A nice, cool way of, like, getting build-up over the verses. And it's like... It shows variance. It shows how verse 2 and verse 1 are not the same. It's like there's a gradual build-up. It's nice. Uh, I will say, the trumpets really add a heap of punch to the chorus. Like... The trumpets are very good at being explosive in this. Uh, then we get to the bridge. The bridge pulls back a lot. Um, and we actually get a brief moment of Sinatra-style singing. Kind of similar to the stuff that uh, Brendan was doing in, you know, Death of a Bachelor and Impossible Year and that and those songs. Uh, just a little bit, though. Not a huge amount. But yeah, the bridge is... It's a nice way of, like, pulling back before we get to that final third chorus. Like, my, far out. I just love that chorus, let me tell you. Like, it slaps. It provides, like, ah, oh, it is such a fat slap, Evelyn 2021. Like, it slaps my future children for their life, Sam 2021. Oh, far out. That chorus is great. Also, um, just a, just a word of warning, actually. So, after the third chorus, there's like a little, I guess you could call it an outro, where, um, Brendan starts, like, you know, going higher and higher, and then he gets up to this really high note, which I think is actually, is it the highest note that he's done in a recorded song? It might be. It might not be. Um... It's still extremely high, and I will give a word of warning. Uh, beware of that high note at the end. Heavenly Ascent may be a side effect of it. Ah! 
That high note is so good. Top tier high note right there. Is that a new episode idea I hear? Uh, are we doing a tier list of high notes? Uh, I don't even know what else I would put into a tier list like that. I don't know. Ah, that song is so good. It just, it all really keeps you on your toes. Like, that's all I could really say about it after it was done. Oh, it was so good. Anyway, Brendan explained that this song is his way of trying to reconcile his career with his early Mormon roots. Which, you know, if you remember, Brendan was raised Mormon. Even though he admits to not being religious at all anymore, uh, you know, he's still reconciling his career with those roots. And despite the fact that he's not religious anymore, he has stated that Say Amen was not intended to spite his religious roots. Wait, what? Were people angry about this song? Really? I didn't realize. I didn't think it could happen. Hmm. Anyway, um... So, Say Amen, I give Say Amen Saturday Night a 9.5 out of 10. This song is such a banger! It is awesome! Like, it changes the sound up the whole time, even if it's in subtle ways. It's some of the best singing that I've heard from Brendan. It really shows his range, and the instrumental and overall sound just sounds so good! It's great. Listen to it if you haven't already. Do it right now. Quick. Hurry! Hurry! Time is of the essence! Quick! Go! I will give you a mo- I will give you a brief moment uh, to pause and then come back for it. Oh good, you're back. So let us continue on with the third song on this album. Hey look Ma, I made it. That was really weird and uh, stress there. Hold on, let me try that again. Hey look Ma, I made it. Yeah, okay, that sounds better. Um, so, to begin with, we get a very retro-ish sound. Uh, it kind of sounds like an old 80s game theme. Sort of. Uh, the beat is nice, as is just the general rhythm of the singing. It's, it, it's catchy, I guess that's probably the best way to think about it. Uh, the pre-chorus also just has a general nice rhythm uh, in both of those regards. Mostly the singing actually provides a good amount of the rhythm. Uh, the chorus, once again, has very nice trumpets. A lot of nice trumpets. It's a very happy song in general. And the trumpets really show that happiness. Anyway, then we get... The verse then brings up some uh, some more personal issues with this protagonist. With uh, fake friends. And people who are only uh, using him for his fame and that. Um, the pre-chorus, I will say, kind of sounds a little bit strange. Like, a little bit. As far as, like, the high notes, anyway. Uh, yeah, the, uh, the pre-chorus is very cheery, I would say. So, yeah, obviously, I said it sounds strained, but...
but like you know obviously still good things about it um there's also a bit in the chorus um well I, actually what are the what are the lyrics in the first chorus actually oh wait no i remember actually so it's like there's a bit in the chorus that's like in the first chorus it goes like um everything's coming up aces and then in the second chorus, it changes to, I see it, I'm on it, I take it. I just thought it was a, it was a nice change. Kind of adds variance here. The chorus has been changed up. It's nice. The second rendition of the chorus adds extra beats that kind of breaks up the sound a bit too much, though. That's kind of a weakness for it. In a way, it kind of like... I suppose it's like you kind of like it kind of takes you out of it a little bit um, However, the choir in the background is quite nice sounding definitely adds to the sound um, and then From memory I didn't write it down, but from memory I'm pretty sure that the song just kind of ends like rather abruptly Anyway, the song is a tongue-in-cheek celebration of Brendan Urie's success in the music industry. As a teenager, Urie's parents were afraid for his future as a starving artist. However, now Brendan is quite well off and is saying, Hey, look, Mum, I made it. It's a nice backstory with a very nice sounding sound that accommodates that. It's, uh, it's definitely what anybody would want to be able to tell their parents <laughs> anyway so hey look ma i made it i give a seven out of ten it's a very nice sound it's just in general very happy i will say however it doesn't really change up that much plus the singing can sound a little strained at times i know i had said that the lyrics changed up changed things up but that's kind of just like a tiny little neat pick, I guess you could say. It's like the opposite of a nitpick, where it's like you just point out like a rather small uh, good thing, a neat pick. Anyway, so next up, we've got High Hopes. Now, this is the song that everybody knows about. Everyone's heard it. And a lot of people I know are kind of sick of it. <laughs> However, I am not the kind of person to get sick of a song particularly quickly, especially when I like the song, so let's give it a go. I feel as though just as far as mainstream awareness, High Hopes is definitely the most well-known Panic song at this point. And it definitely has made Panic! at the Disco a much more well-known uh, group band solo artist brendan people know him um yeah the like this is the only song um from panic that i've actually heard on the radio and i know a lot of people play this song ad nauseum um in fact actually i was talking with mom with my mum about uh the band and it's like this song and Nine in the Afternoon are actually the only two Panic songs that she knew about. Uh, she didn't even know who made the songs, actually. 
Uh, so yeah, anyway, let's go through High Hopes in a, in an unbiased fashion, because I actually heard this song before it was played ad nauseum on the radio. So, we get some trumpets to start off, we get a nice happy sound, uh, rather similar to Hey Look My I Made It as far as general vibe, very happy sounding. The vocals are very nice sounding as well. They've got a slight rasp in them, which uh, can definitely be a good thing. Uh, definitely shows how Brendan is still, well, it kind of, his like, his rock stuff, or pop rock stuff is still uh, prevalent in his singing. Anyway, uh, we then get some strings to accompany uh, the verses, so nice addition. By the way, when I say strings, I'm talking like anything from like a violin, viola, fiddle, cello, well actually not really a cello, but like the more like, I guess, high-pitched type of strings, not like a bass or a cello or something like that. And the reason why I say that is because I'm not entirely sure whether it's a violin or a viola or a fiddle or whatever. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're not fiddles, but... I'm sure, like, a classical musician would be able to tell the difference between a violin and a viola just by hearing the sound. Um, namely, if it sounds like shit, it's a viola. You gotta get that Ling Ling 40 hours going on. Um, anyway. Uh, the pre-chorus then pulls back and, uh, we get some chimes. Uh, to, I guess, add to that whole pullback effect. Uh, so it pulls back more before then exploding with the instrumental. In this instance, the instrumental, I think, is doing most of the exploding here. Uh, then we get to the second verse and we get some happy trumpets. Cool. Um... There's a bit in the in the song that's like uh, the lyrics are like "stay up on that rise." It sounds nice. It sounds quite nice. Um, also, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this here, but like during the chorus, I think it starts happening during the second chorus. But does anyone else hear something that sounds like metal shinking? Like. The sound that you get if you were to, like, flick two knives against each other. I swear that I can hear that in the verses. Does anyone else hear that? I don't know. Um, but tell me that I'm not insane, and if I'm not insane, what actually is causing that sound? Because I don't know. Anyway, uh, the bridge of the song then goes a cappella. Not unusual for Panic at this point. The instrumental then rises and rises and rises more before it then explodes back into the chorus. The chorus in general is just very explosive. It's just not a particularly dark sound. Like, uh, Say Amen is explosive and I guess it sounds like... It sounds more dark. This one sounds a lot more light-hearted explosion. So I guess that kind of shows that that is certainly possible in music. Anyway, uh, very nice, another very happy sounding song. 
Very nice, very nice. Seems like there aren't too many songs like that these days. Everything's, uh, edgy. Anyway. Uh, not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing, by the way. But, yeah. I guess it's kind of unusual for a song to be so unashamedly happy in this day and age. It's a neat change. Anyway, High Hopes is obviously about seeking your dreams without thinking twice, and you'll eventually achieve those dreams beyond your wildest imagination. Very nice, inspiring message that I think everyone understands, which may be why this song was the one that became so popular in the mainstream audience. Because I wouldn't say that it's because it's the best song that they've done. It's definitely not their best song. Um, but anyway, I give High Hopes an 8 out of 10. I know, probably a controversial pick, but I do feel as though the people who dislike the song or hate it so much, they probably hate it more because it's overplayed, not because it's bad. And obviously, like, any song is gonna suck when you've heard it, like, a million times or something like that. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I don't have such a weakness. I actually still kind of like Despacito as far as the sound goes. And that is, like, the most overplayed song in history. I was fortunate enough to not get exposed to that song all the time. In fact, I think I've heard All I Want For Christmas Is You way more often, actually. Maybe because it's been around longer. <coughs> okay, I obviously invoked the name of that song quite a bit. It brought the chill of that season to- Wait, what am I talking about? I'm in- It's not- Okay. In, it's not winter when it's Christmas time here. Like, we don't have Christmas in winter. So that actually doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Ha did Mariah Carey just, like, bring the, the wind of the north there? This is gonna sound really awkward if, like, the microphone didn't pick up my sneeze. And you guys think I'm just going off on a weird tangent like some mental patient. Hmm. Anyway, like I said, I have no such weakness of hating a song because it's overplayed, because I don't usually hear an overplayed song that often. I mean, yeah, like, I probably do have that weakness, but just not for this song. High Hopes is very upbeat, optimistic, hopeful, and it has a great instrumental accompanied with excellent vocals. It's very good, so I give it an 8 out of 10. Next up is Roaring Twenties. So... There's something about this song, actually, that's pat particularly noteworthy. Now, uh, a couple of years ago, I had read a website listing the Panic at the Disco songs from worst to best. The songs that were considered the worst were obviously Overture and Intermission in Fever You Can't Sweat Out, because those two... Well, I mean, most don't really consider them songs at all. Uh, but then, this song, Roaring Twenty, was next from the bottom. So, there's at least one p 
person out there who thinks that this is Panic's worst legit song ever. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't just the one website that said... I think there was another one that said this was the worst one. However, we have all reached the Roaring Twenties now ourselves. So, I guess we shall see if this song is, I don't know, more relatable now? I don't know. Uh, so, we get some horns to begin. Uh, I get that it can sound grating to some, like that particular beginning part, but I actually quite like it. Uh, we also get some piano to add to this sound. The sound then gets filled in more with deeper horns, uh... I don't know, trombones, tubers, I don't know, uh, but they're deeper sounding horns. Uh, Brendan's vocals are quite good, nothing too amazing like before, but still good so far. Uh, then we get a bit where Brendan says, uh, this is the oddest of summers. Oh, no, Brendan, I feel like you'll be having some much odder summers than this one in the future. Oh, you sweet summer child. Sweet summer child? Wait, hold on. I'm going to actually check this out. Is he a summer child? Hold on. When's his birthday? Uh, April. Okay, so he is not a summer child. <laughs> oh. Alright. Anyway, uh, the chorus then, uh, picks up much more. Uh, it doesn't necessarily explode, but all the elements come together quite nicely. It's like a, a semi-explosion. Um, however, I will say, I do have a problem with one of these lines. Roll me like a blunt, cause I wanna go home. What is that line meant to mean? Roll me like a blunt, cause I wanna go- I know what a blunt is, but like, sit- Okay, let's ditch the- the, uh, the simile here. It becomes, roll me, cause I wanna go home. How does- what is- what does that mean? Ex- America, explain! Explain yourself! What does that mean? Ugh. Anyway, there's also this, uh, rhyming scheme during the verses that's like, Maybe I'll medicate, maybe inebriate, and then in the second verse it's like, Maybe I'll elevate, maybe I'm second rate. It's nice. I like that rhyming scheme. That rhyming scheme. It's nice. It's fun. It's it's catchy. I, that's kind of the best way I can really describe it. Um, anyway, we get some... It's just all, like, really weird lyric choices. Um, like, particularly the pre-chorus where he's like, uh, My telltale heart's a hammer in my chest. Cut me a silk-tied tourniquet. It's very weird. It's the kind of weird imagery that Panic's always kind of had. Anyway, uh, the bridge sounds quite up. It's got some nice vocals there, too. The third chorus gets a... an acapella... semi... Uh, not really acapella, but kind of acapella... Uh, chorus line type of sound to it. Uh, 
and then it slows down and gets more percussive before then coming back in full force. Uh, then we get... Oh, we also get um, a nice slowdown with choir vocalizations and then some final brass notes to fade the song out. But still a rather quick fade out. It's like uh, Brendan says his last line of I want to go home and then we get like horns and then they just they hold for like, I don't know, like one second or something like that before fading out. So. Roaring Twenties describes Brendan Urie's experience playing Charlie Price in the Broadway musical Kinky Boots. Um, for the record, Charlie Price is basically the main character. Urie was apparently raised on musicals and found himself infatuated with the sound of music and listened to a live record of Les Mis, or Les Miserables, religiously, good choice, uh, he really resonated with the message of Kinky Boots and found himself in tears and happy to be a part of the show in any capacity. Though the experience began riddled with anxiety, Yuri ultimately conquered his fears and found a family on Broadway. So, Roaring Twenties, I give this song an 8.5 out of 10. Now, I will admit the song has shrunk on me a little, but I still have no idea what those articles were thinking saying this is the worst Panic song. It's not even close to the worst. Its instrumental is very strong. In fact, I think this whole album so far has had the strongest instrumentals out of any album that they've done. But it's also really strong vocally with a nice variation. It's not as explosive as Say Amen, but it's still decently explosive. The only real problem is just that the explosiveness isn't enough for me to put it higher, and some of the lyrics are pretty weird. Particularly that Roll Me Like a Blunt one, that's still quite weird. But anyway, uh, 8 out of 10. Uh, next up, Dancing's Not a Crime, another rather popular song. Like. I feel as though the most mainstream popular songs from this album have been High Hopes, Hey Look My I Made It, and Dancing's Not a Crime. Uh, and I I will admit, like, in in defense in his defense, uh, he is right. Dancing is not a crime. Unless you live in the world of Footloose, which still never was the greatest movie in history. So, anyway, we get a a rather strange intro. It sounds kind of like static, and those chipmunks come back in. Anyway, uh, then there's a bit... The first lyrics of the song are Brendan saying, I'm a moonwalker, I'm like MJ up in the clouds. Okay, bit big-headed of you there, buddy. Uh, it's a quite catchy verse, though. Uh, punchy instrumental, very full sound right off the bat. Uh, the chorus is quite the solid bop. Um, also, again, is it just me, but does anyone else hear a weird, like, echo sound that can be heard throughout the chorus? It's like, the bit that's like, dancing, dancing, surely it's not just me, right? Um, also, the bit in the chorus that's like, 
um, dancing on crime unless you do it, do it, do it, do it, do it without me. Sounds nice. It it just sounds nice. He goes high and it's like ah nice. Uh, the rhythm of the lyrics changes a little in the second verse, but other than that, it stays the same. Uh, during the pre-chorus, it's like, he mentions, I'm going insane and I don't care. Seems like he's been insane for a while at this point. Remember Crazy Equals Genius? He was very much embracing that insanity again. Uh, the horns in this song definitely add a lot to the sound. Uh, the bridge changes up a bit. Um, so, also in the bridge, there's a lyric that's like, Your boyfriend, girlfriend, or I just want to be your boyfriend, girlfriend, oh yeah. I get what he's doing, I get what he's meaning when he says that, but that line just doesn't sound good, lyrically. I'm sorry, alright, I know what he's doing, but, uh, doesn't sound that good. Uh, the chorus is basically the same each time. The only difference is the horns change up a bit towards the end of the third verse. They kind of get a little bit fancier with their playing. Uh, then we get a, an extended without me section with varying different levels of layers. And then the song then ends quite suddenly. Again. Again, like, just before the last note or beat or something, like, I feel like he's done that before in, like, a previous album, but I can't remember which song it was that was like that. Uh, uh, I don't know, like, if I were to just look up Sudden, uh, um, apparently Nicotine ended quite suddenly as well, um, House of Memories, oh, I think it was House of Memories that I thought the same thing, because yeah, it was like, it was like it ended just before the last note, or the last beat, or something like that, yeah, 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 but then like, Nicotine might have done the same thing, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's weird. And it's not, yeah, it's obviously not the first time they've done that. Uh, anyway, I think the message is pretty obvious. You should never dance without me, because only then is dancing a crime. According to Brendan, he embarrasses his friends whenever they go out, and he's always that obnoxious friend that's dancing in public, stating that he's here to dance and have a good time, which, you know what, fair enough, you know? A lot of us here are in for a good time, not a long time. Uh, anyway. So, dancing's not a crime. I give this song an 8 out of 10. I can't really say that this song's better than Silver Lining or High Hopes, but I can't really say it's worse, either. The song's yet another bop. Very full sound. Not really explosive or varied, but it's still very strong, both vocally and instrumentally. And with that, we have basically reached, like, a little bit past the halfway point for Pray for the Wicked. So, I'm going to cut it off here because it's basically been 48 minutes at this point. So, I will see you guys next week for part two of Pray for the Wicked. 
And until then, I hope you guys have a lovely week, have a lovely day, and have a good one.